Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Billy Crone is back to continue his study into what the Bible really says about the rapture. Thank you to everyone who's been sending special anniversary month donations to Watchmen on the Wall. All during the month of April, we're celebrating 89 years of God's faithfulness and provision. This daily radio program, books and DVDs, new podcasts and conferences are all possible because of your generosity. Would you consider giving a gift today? You can give a one-time gift, a monthly sustaining gift, or even name Southwest Radio Church in your will. Know that when you support SWRC, you are helping to proclaim until the Lord comes that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Thank you. You can give your gift today online, swrc.com, or by calling 1-800-652-1144. Billy Crone returns to the microphone now to continue his look into Scripture to answer the question, Are you ready for the rapture? There can be no doubt that the rapture or the catching away of believers to heaven is a biblical doctrine. The Bible clearly says that at some point in the future, Jesus will come and every believer who is alive on planet earth will be caught up to heaven to meet him in the air. The issue isn't will there be a rapture, but when it will happen in relation to other end time events. My guest again today is Pastor Billy Crone, the senior pastor of Sunrise Bible Church in Las Vegas and the founder of Get a Life Ministries. He has produced a tremendous DVD set, which contains over 18 hours of teaching titled, Are You Ready for the Rapture? He's here with me again to help us understand biblical truth concerning the rapture. Pastor Billy, welcome back to the Watchman on the Wall. Thank you, Pastor James. It's always great to be on. One of my favorite parts of this DVD set, Are You Ready for the Rapture?, was when you spoke about the rewards of the rapture. I want to tell you, brother, it was hard for me not to get a little emotional. Tell me again what happens to the believer in Jesus Christ after the rapture. Yeah, you know, a lot of people, it's like, hey, I'm not ready for the rapture. Rapture, okay, yeah, whatever. Okay, that's cool, whatever. It's like, are you kidding me? Do you understand what happens at the rapture? It's not just that the rapture is real. It's real. It's really going to happen. And it's imminent. It can happen today. But if you're a born-again Christian, do you understand what that means? It means all that Christ has won for us, the incredible future, nobody has a brighter future than the church, all of that comes into play. It's time to receive the reward, the inheritance. He didn't just save us and forgive us of our sins. He didn't just save us from hell. He saved us for an incredible future, and guess what? You get to enjoy that future either if you die right now naturally and go to heaven or at the rapture. Okay, at the rapture, the first thing that happens, where do we go? I like to joke, you know, tongue-in-cheek. At the rapture, we all go to uh, that 13th Island Walmart, and we get a $100 <laughs> gift certificate. Woo-wee. Well, that's how some people treat it. No, are you kidding me? Where do we go? We go to heaven. Hmm. And last time I checked, heaven's just a little bit better than here. I mean, think about it. What's it going to be like? We get brand-new bodies, not just yes. a brand-new location. The location, there's no sin. There's no, no bad day, no bad thought, no bad relationship. There's no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things is gone and passed away. Your best life, perfect day you could ever think of having, times it by a billion, and that's your existence forever and ever and ever. And not just you, but every person around you, they're experiencing the same thing. Again, there's no arguments, there's no fighting. I mean, that's heaven. Just stepping in heaven, man, is amazing. But it's not just that. Again, we get new bodies. 
That's part of the rapture. We get a resurrected body, which means it's going to be akin to Jesus' resurrected body, which means it won't rot, it won't decay, it won't age. And think about what that means. I mean, we're no more broken bones or back aches or pains and aches and need for surgeries. There's not going to be disease and all that's gone. Imagine your body working perfectly at peak performance, better than you've ever experienced on earth, all the time, every time, 100% of the time. Well, that's what's going to happen. And then the Bible's very clear, because some people say, well, okay, the seven's kind of cool, but uh, am I going to be up there floating on a cloud with Pastor Bill and Pastor James strumming on a guitar? You know, that's going to get boring after the first week. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Again, just stepping into heaven is going to be insanely wonderful. Okay, but the Bible's clear. Read the Bible. We come back with Jesus, Revelation 19, back to the planet Earth. Well, I don't want to come back here. Well, don't worry. It won't be in the shape it's in today. It's called the Millennial Kingdom. And we get to rule and reign with Christ, who will be providing a righteous government. Now think about that right there. It sounds like an oxymoron, righteous government, like icy hot, peaceful war. Well, that's (laughs) how it is today. But not when Jesus comes back to rule and reign. He only does that which is right all the time, every single time. It's awesome. And we don't typically think of Jesus as a world divine political ruler. Well, he's going to rule the planet, and it's going to be awesome. Okay? But we don't typically think of him like that, even though the Bible's clear that he is going to rule the planet. And that's because, you know, I, tongue-in-cheek again, people say, you know, well, that's like political stuff. Uh, how do you equate Jesus with that? And I get it. Politics, politicians get a bad rap, and rightly so. The joke is politics comes from two words, one poly meaning many, and ticks blood-sucking creatures. And so that explains, you know, obviously it's not a good thing. But mm-hmm. not so when Jesus comes. There will never be an unjust law ever. It's always what's right and best for the people all across the planet. 100% of the time, it's going to be awesome. And then what blows me away, Pastor James, in the Millennial Kingdom, the Bible's very clear that we will have peace with nature. And that's not just productivity and the abundance of living and life and the planet and our surroundings, because basically it gets renovated back to the Garden of Eden-like conditions, back to paradise. It's really coming back. But it says there in Isaiah that we're going to have peace with nature. No more are animals, including wild animals, mentions there, lions and bears and snakes and all that kind of stuff, and we're going to have peace with them. So that means we'll be able to walk amongst any animal, wild animals, elephants, lions, you name it, and it'll be a time of peace. I mean, it sounds like a science fiction, crazy cartoon scenario. Folks, that's our future. This is what Christ has won for us. And then even after the millennium, The Bible says we're headed for what's called the new heavens and the new earth. And that means that the devil is thrown into the lake of fire. There's no more devil, no more demons, no more spiritual warfare, none of that stuff. It's all gone forever and ever, never coming back, not even a chance. And listen, that all starts at the rapture. So how you cannot get excited about the rapture is beyond me. Pastor James, I remind Christians this all the time. Listen, understand, if you will, to use the phrase, the fullness of the gospel. It's not just Christ came to die on the cross to forgive us of our sins. And praise God for that. It's not just because he forgave us of our sins on the cross that we escape the punishment of sin, i.e. hell. And if that's all there was, I'd still be super stoked. But it's so much more than that. It's the future that he won for us. We're going to heaven, a place beyond our wildest dreams. We're going to the millennial kingdom, a place where our greatest adventure awaits, and then a place where there's going to be no more evil, no more suffering, no more devil, no more demons, none of that stuff gone forever and ever and ever and ever called the new heavens and new earth. That, to me, is exciting. And that's why the rapture is called the blessed what? Hope. hope. Yes. Our hope is not in this world, Christian. Our hope is in the future that Christ has won for us. 
and I can't wait to enjoy it. You and I laugh and cut up quite a bit, but the millennium will be a time like no other. The animal kingdom, as you said, will even be changed. And so your vicious attack wiener dogs won't bite me during the millennium, will they? <laughs> well, and dare I say, you know, maybe they'll even grow bigger so that people won't make fun of me for having those little ankle biters. <laughs> well, now, Pastor Billy, let's get serious for a minute. Isn't it true that most of the disagreements over the rapture have to do with the timing of the rapture? Yeah, exactly. Just to explain this study, it's the deepest we've ever gone on this topic. And frankly, what started it was, I hit my last straw, if you will, of people saying, just because I believe in the pre-trib rapture, that I'm not just wrong. I mean, people call you wrong. I can deal with that. We can agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. But it got over the top. They began to say, because I believe in the pre-trib rapture, I'm not only working for Satan, I'm not only a horrible shepherd, but they began to say that I'm not even saved. And I'm going to hell. And I said, okay, that's it. And so we basically started from scratch. And we dealt with, is there even a biblical basis for the rapture? Well, of course. Well, why does Paul talk about the importance and the purpose? And then is it really a good thing to look forward to? And we just talked about the reward. Well, then we got into the timing aspect, right? So, okay, when's it going to happen? Then we dealt with all the objections to what I believe it happens, and that's the prior to the seven-year tribulation, the pre-trip. Then we flipped it around. And we took a look at all those other positions and examined them according to the Bible, and they're the ones that got the problem. And, of course, I'm talking about post-trib, pre-rap, mid-trib. We have a whole giant section just on the partial rapture position, which is crazy. It's making a comeback today that only the super-duper saints get to go. What? It's crazy. And then the response. But the timing to me, that really is the elephant in the room, isn't it? Okay, the rapture's real. The Bible's very clear about that. When's it going to happen? Well, I believe it's going to be the pre-trib scenario for a bunch of different reasons that we bring out biblically. Number one, the rapture is at an unknown hour, right? That's why it's called an imminent truth, that it could happen at any moment. I have to always be ready, and that's why the Scripture encourages us to always be ready and watching, because it can happen any day, right? And again, how do you want Jesus to find you? Now, the problem with the other positions is they destroy that biblical truth, that the rapture is an unknown hour. Because, think about it. If you put the church in the seven-year tribulation, like these other positions do, mid-trib, pre-wrath, post-trib, mid-trib halfway, pre-wrath about three-quarters of the way from our timeline, and post-trib all the way, then once you put the church in the seven-year tribulation and say that's when the rapture occurs at these points, I can calculate the rapture. For instance, the mid-trib position, they say the church is in the seven-year tribulation only up to the halfway point. Well, wait a second, as soon as the seven-year tribulation starts, the Antichrist makes the covenant... With Israel, Daniel 9.27, Revelation 6.1, the right horse rider, all i got to do is set my clock exactly three and a half years, and then I know when the rapture's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But that destroys the whole truth that you're not supposed to know when. You can't know when, right? So all these other positions, once they put the church in there, destroys the ability to not know when it's going to happen, because you can calculate it if you're in it. The other one that we bring out, too, is the absence of the church, Right? Revelation, John talks about the church like 19 times, many different times, in the first three chapters. So when John wants to refer to the church, he doesn't shy away from that word. Multitudes of times in just the first three chapters, and especially chapter 2 and 3. But then after that, how many times does the word church appear in the events dealing with the seven-year tribulation? Zero. Why? Because we're not around that time frame, Right. And so we bring this out. It's like if God was going to have the church in this horrible time frame that he speaks a lot about, by the way, you'd think he'd put us in there. Especially if he used that same word, church, in the same book, multitudes of times. Well, he doesn't. So again, that's another 
clue that we're not around there. Then we take a look at the location search. Well, what happens after chapter 3? Well, chapter 4, all of a sudden, you see this phrase come up here, right, that many believe is a rapture and the church going to heaven. And then you see the identity of these people in heaven during the seven-year tribulation called the 24 elders. And I believe that's referring to the church. And we break that down. You see that with the timing, the location, the crowns, the title, the number, the position, the distinction, even the clothing. And so it happens to fit the exact time frame of the pre-trip scenario that we're on here now. But then in chapter 4, we're seeing come up here, go to heaven. And then in chapter 5, we see the Lamb at the throne room of God takes the scroll, which is the judgments to be unleashed, and then he opens them up and dishes them out on the planet, starting with chapter 6, which is where the seven-year tribulation starts. It fits perfectly. You leave the Scripture alone. It flows like butter. The Church is not mentioned in the events of the seven-year tribulation because we're in heaven prior. That's pre-trib. And then speaking of the Church... Back to chapter 3, Jesus even promises to the church in Revelation 3.10 that we are kept from this time of testing that is coming to the whole world to test those who are still on the earth. That's the rapture. So we even have a promise that we're going to be kept from that time frame. A direct verse. And that's important because Pastor James, there's not one verse in the Bible. There's not one verse in the Bible that tells us that the church is going to be kept from the seven-year tribulation. Uh, Revelation 3.10. It's about as blunt as you can get. The other big one, too, the Bible's very clear about the church. When you become a born-again Christian, you're placed in the body of Christ, you become part of the church. And if there's one thing that God promises, it's that we will not experience His wrath. That's Romans chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 Thessalonians 5, which, by the way, is before and after it's mentioned from 1 Thessalonians 4, the rapture passage. And so the Bible says we are saved from God's wrath, We're rescued from God's wrath. We're not appointed unto God's wrath. Well, guess what? That means I can't be in the seven-year tribulation, not even for a nanosecond, because it's a full seven years of God's wrath. It's crazy. But then here's where people in other positions will dance around that. They'll say, well, that first half really isn't God's wrath, or the first three-quarters of it really isn't God's wrath. And they'll say it's either man's wrath or Satan's wrath. What? Back up to before the seven-year tribulation starts, Revelation 6, Revelation 5 is what? The throne room scene. Mm -hmm. And it's what? It's Jesus taking the scrolls of these judgments, the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls, that'll be poured out for the next seven years. He's the one who holds them in his hand. He's the only one who's worthy. Is man worthy to open up those scrolls to start the judgment? Are you kidding me? Is Satan? That's blasphemy. Jesus is the one who unleashes them. And in fact, when the seven-year tribulation starts, Revelation 6, starting with the first seal, what's it says? And the Lamb is the one who opened the seal. And the second seal, and the Lamb, and the third seal, and the Lamb, and then the fourth seal, and the Lamb. And then the next one, and he, and he, and he, referring to the Lamb. And even there, in the sixth seal, the people on the planet know exactly where this is coming from. Hide this from the face of him who sits on the throne, and the what? The wrath of the Lamb. So even the people in there know where this is coming from. And yet these people want to say, oh, no, 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 no. That's why we can squeeze the church in there. Because that's not really God's wrath. It's really man's wrath and Satan's wrath. You can't maintain that if you stay true to the Scripture. Okay, And then we also deal with the fact that there's other examples. This ain't the first time that you see God sparing people from a time of judgment. Certainly you see that with Noah and Lot, right? The judgment did not begin until they were what? Safely tucked away, mm-hmm. hidden away, and removed from it, above it, or out of it. Okay, And then even more, apparently, is Enoch. Enoch what? 
He walked with God, and he what? He was no more. So this isn't some foreign teaching in the Scripture. It's not the first time that God spared his people from a time frame, and certainly his wrath. And again, they say, well, the seven-year tribulation, I mean, people today, they experience problems and trials, and why should we be exempt? Well, that's because, yeah, we're promised the ellipsis, general trials and tribulations. That is what the Scripture teaches. But the seven-year tribulation is a time when God pours out his wrath. It's his judgment. And Christ on the cross has saved me from God's wrath and his judgment. I'm not looking for judgment. I'm waiting for the reward that Christ has won for me. And you go back to Noah. That wasn't just general trials. Hello, that was a global flood. That was a judgment of God. And just as he spared Noah and his family above it all, the rapture is clear. One day we're going to be above it all in heaven at the rapture. We are not going to be judged by God. That judgment, praise God, has been taken care of through the cross of Christ. Pastor Billy, there are two types of people in the world, the saved and the lost. There are those who are believers in Jesus Christ and those who are not believers. And I really appreciate that you end each of your books and DVDs with a clear gospel invitation. Would you please just take a moment and tell that person that may be listening today that is not a believer in Jesus Christ how they can receive him today? Here's the good news. The Bible says that God is holy, which means without sin, and we are not. And we don't even want to admit that, so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that, sure enough, we, we're not holy like Him, i.e. without sin, right? You know, one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness, which is lying. Well, we've all done that, which makes us a liar. The Bible says, you shall not steal. Well, if we're honest and don't tell another lie, we've all taken something that wasn't ours without permission. That makes us a thief. The Bible says, don't commit adultery. So, well, I haven't done that one. Well, Jesus said, if you look at another person with lust in your eye... You've committed adultery in your heart. That's God's standard. So right there, you're going to stand before God, not if, but when it's going to happen, when you die. And then you're going to say, hey, God, let me into heaven. I'm a liar, I'm a thief, and I'm an adulterer. The Bible says such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now that's the bad news. The good news is this, and that's what the word gospel means, good news. God knew that you couldn't get to heaven on your own. We're all disqualified. The Bible says we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But he is willing to forgive you because he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, basically take the death penalty for what we deserve in our place. And since he did all the work, we receive that wonderful news at faith. We take it in faith. I don't earn it. I can't earn it. I just take that good news and say, yes, I want that. And the Bible says if we confess Jesus as Lord, believe in our heart that God raised from the grave, we will be saved. If you haven't done that, call upon the name of Jesus Christ. Ask him to save you and forgive you of all our sins. He is willing, no matter what you've done. You're talking to a person who has not only done basically every drug under the sun, a completely immoral, a horrible, rotten person involved in Satanism, the occult. God saved me. He forgave me. He can forgive you. Don't wait. Don't delay. Because you certainly don't want to be left behind. Billy Crone's new nine DVD set, Are You Ready for the Rapture?, is available today when you call 1-800-652-1144. Over 10 hours of information and knowledge from Scripture that will answer the question, Are you ready for the rapture? Order the nine DVD set, Are You Ready for the Rapture?, by Billy Crone, when you call 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. As we continue to celebrate our 89th anniversary at Watchmen on the Wall, Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill joins our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, to look back and honor those who have been faithful and helped this ministry through these many years. 
April is anniversary month at Southwest Radio Church. We are the oldest continuously broadcasting Christian radio ministry in the world, starting in 1933. That's 89 years ago. Dr. Kenneth Hill and I will be honoring our ministry elders. Kenneth goes way back even before me. That's a long time. So, Ken, how are you? And so good to have you. Well, I'm doing fine. And it's so good to be with you. You know, when we think about the elders of the ministry, that does not necessarily mean that they're older than we are, (laughs) for example. I look at the various folks that have come across in the studio of Southwest Radio Church and the word that they have ministered and the good graces of God that have been shown forth. It's amazing. It's wonderful. I didn't get to know Dr. E.F. Weber. I didn't get to know David Weber. I came in under the tutelage of Noah W. Hutchings. However, from the time of Noah on, there were a number of people, including Noah Hutchings, that taught from the pulpit here at Southwest Radio Church Ministries. And they taught the truth and they taught it properly. And that's exactly what the Lord calls us to do, to give forth the whole counsel of the Word of God. And we thank the Lord for allowing this broadcast to do that very thing since 1933. Thank you, Lord, for the ministry of David Ingram. David Ingram was a showman. He was an entertainer. He could sing. (laughs) I don't know if he could dance or not, but he could (laughs) sing. He could play the guitar, probably played other stringed instruments. He loved to sing. He loved to write songs. And he loved to make fun of people who were pompous. (laughs) And he could do that with some of the songs that he wrote, Mm -hmm. by the way. But he was one of the finer Bible teachers that Southwest had in its stable of teachers. He was willing and able to attack any subject that was needed to be attacked. And he would bring forth the Word of God in such a way that you would learn something when he was finished teaching. And that made him very important. Mm. And so I just say thank you, Lord, for allowing David Ingram, who's now in your presence, to have been in our presence for a while and to teach here on Southwest Radio Church. Amen. When I think of my last, I believe it's 22 years at Southwest, it's really been an adventure. Many years ago, when I was at the Riverbend Baptist Church, I would arrange my visits and shopping so that I would be in the car when Southwest Radio Church was on the air. I believe it was 9.30 in the morning. And I remember you had been doing programs with Bill Federer about his God and Country Encyclopedia of Quotations. And I remember Bill would rattle off all these dates, names, quotes, events, and so on. And I figured he was reading a script. But quite early in my time at Southwest Radio Church, I was in a conference with Bill, and guess what? My mouth opened because he, 
he knew all those dates, all those historical figures, all the countries, the nations, and he wasn't reading from a script. He was looking at the audience. And so he would minimize his memory. I said, Bill, you've got a fantastic memory. And he said, well, I've given these presentations many times, and I've just committed it to memory through frequent use. He was always so humble about it. But he's been a great blessing to me and I know to our listening audience. Well, Bill Federer had so much information to share with the audience of Southwest Radio Church. The first time that he was on the broadcast, we had to have him on five days in a row. Mm. (laughs) That hardly ever happens now, Larry. Yes. But five programs in a row because there was so much information for him to share. I am grateful for his ministry, and I am thankful, brother, that you have adopted him as a mentor of sorts because Hmm. he is outstanding. I've been privileged to speak to some other people like Joseph Farah, founder of WorldNet Daily. We've had him on in the past. And when I first came to Southwest Radio Church, I had the privilege of interviewing Tim LaHaye of the Left Behind series. The series was gaining in popularity. And I remember interviewing Dave Hunt. He was certainly one of the giants of the past. And then Dr. Norman Geisler, the apologist. I've read almost every book he ever wrote. I interviewed him one time on preterism, actually. He, of course, was not a preterist. Norman Geisler was one of the greatest apologists, I think, of all times. Another one of my favorites has been General Boykin. He had co-authored a book with Kamal Salim. General Boykin is a great general, but he's also a great Christian. He knows so many scriptures. He's a soul winner, and he has a big heart. I remember I heard him speak, and what happened to him when he lost some of his men in battle. He was brokenhearted. And so when I first met Kamal Salim, I was initially skeptical. You hear these stories and you wonder, well, is this guy for real? So what I did is I called two people. One was Waleed Shuibat and asked him about Kamal Saleem. And he said he would give his life for Kamal Saleem. And General Boykin said he has a team of researchers and investigators. And General Boykin says he never gets involved with anyone unless this guy has been thoroughly vetted. And he said Kamal Saleem was clean in every way. So uh, we've had our standards, and we've also been a little adventurous. And, of course, Southwest Radio Church has always been very, very interested in bringing the best to our listening audience. Well, it certainly has. And I can remember some of the national speakers that we had come on the program and during conference meetings and I was blessed by them. A number of them have already gone home to glory. Yes. But there are still those speakers, those researchers, those ministers of the gospel that are still out there. And we're always looking to add to our number of speakers. We want the best for our listeners. Make sure you order today's featured resource, Are You Ready for the Rapture? by Billy Crone. This nine-DVD set is available for you, your Sunday school, or anyone who needs to hear the truth. Order your copy when you call 1-800-652-1144. Over 10 hours on nine DVDs, 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. 
Have a wonderful weekend, my friends, and join us here again on Monday when through Christ we bring clarity to the chaos. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for 89 years by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.